the tabletop take away game mechanics on display free designers share the stage pick a genre and we'll play the tabletop take away Welcome to the Tabletop Takeaway. I am Trevor Muller-Hagel. I'm Ananda Gunaratna. And I'm Charlie McCarran. And today we are going to start with our first episode on social deduction. One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we obviously wanted to choose some games that really represented the genre. And One Night for me is a very good intro to this genre because it's so easy to pick up and play. Uh, if you're playing with the app, it tells you what you do over the night. You don't have to worry about someone running the story for you. Like, very clear cut, very easy to pick up. It's also yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, I, I remember um, back in uh, college, I discovered uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, and it basically fired Mafia for oh, me. Oh, for just, sure. I just couldn't play that anymore Yeah, yeah. after I discovered that <laughs> one. So yeah. for people who haven't played Mafia or Werewolf, that's like the classic version of the social deduction game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the whole group um, find there's one or more werewolves or mafia members out there, and the villagers are trying to figure out who that is. And there's a night phase where you close your eyes, and then um, the whoever is leading the group, usually in person, it would have to be a person, and they'd say like, "Werewolves, wake up!" and then. Um, decide who to kill among the villagers. And then they go to sleep, and the village wakes up, and everyone debates about who they think is most suspicious. Um, but one night, maybe Trevor, you could explain how this Absolutely, one yeah. works. Yeah, so one night uh, is taking the werewolf concept and putting in one night. So there's only one night where everyone goes to bed and goes to sleep, uh, and they all have different ways of interacting with uh, the roles at the table. Or maybe they don't. Um, but there's got probably 10 rolls or something in the base game. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. But you all get to kind of interact with it in different ways. And the werewolves don't actually kill anyone in this one. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting is that, like, yeah, they're werewolves. And they're going to kill people in the future. But you got to catch them on the first night in this one. I mean, theoret- we don't know that they're going to they kill people. They could be good werewolves. I, to, I, like, I, I think the town is the real monsters. Because they're, the, <laughs> they're, they're the ones who are bloodthirsty <laughs> and want to kill people. Right. They want to kill someone. And they don't even really care Ultimately, if it's a werewolf, I mean, they want it to be a werewolf. They don't kill. But if they they're willing new... to kill a person too. Right? Yeah, they still win as long as a werewolf dies. Yep. Yep. It's it's a very bloodthirsty town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is a medieval yep. village, and we understand that you know times were different then. Yeah. <laughs> and so we the magic of it though is the roles. Right. So there's the werewolf roles and a villager role if you're starting out basic, but. In our play, <laughs> villagers are terrible. But, <laughs> villagers have no special ability. But in our our play, we had five of us, and that sounds right. That sounds right. We had each person had a unique role. Yeah, or something like, where something we interact with right. the game in some capacity. And one of the interesting things about One Night Ultimate Werewolf, when you compare it to a lot of other um, role based social deduction games, is. Uh, a lot of the roles involve m- swapping around what people's roles are yeah. uh, often without even telling them. Um, so you can end up uh, switching teams without knowing it. Which gets a big sense of panic when you're like, oh my God, am I actually a werewolf now? That's what happened yeah. with mm-hmm. me and Charlie in our last game, I yeah. think. Like, and I was or I was the tanner, the- he was the werewolf. The tanner yeah. wants to die. And he, if he dies, he's the only winner. 
So, like, he's trying to get people to think that he's a werewolf. But then because I was the Tanner and I thought I was still the Tanner, and then he, Charlie was the werewolf, but we were switched, it created this weird dynamic. And, yeah. like, everyone's like, okay, we're going to ignore you two. We're going to kill someone else over here. It's like, oh, oh this yeah. is weird. That was the most, probably the most interesting interaction I've had in One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Because <laughs> I, re- I was, like, going through my head how I would have to win. Right. And it's like, I got to convince them to kill me instead. So I just, right. at the end, uh, I think I just pretended like I was really suspicious right. and got the vote. And the other nice thing is there's a timer from the app. Yep. Yeah, like five, five minutes. Five yeah. minutes. Which which sounds very short. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but, you know, <clears throat> I, think the, I think the swapping around of roles is actually pretty key to what makes One Night Ultimate Werewolf so good. Yeah. Because... The fact that you might have been turned into a werewolf by someone else uh, means you need, even as a good player, you need to be very careful about how forthcoming you are. Because if you're, say, the seer, and you come out and prove that, yep, you were the seer, and then someone says, well, I swapped you with this player, and then that player says, well, I was a wolf, you have no alibi. You were the seer. You can't refute anything. You have to discredit the person who swapped you Mm -hmm. as the best play, but even then... Well, and, and what's worth? What if you? What if you looked at? So the seer is a role that gets to see another player's role or two of yep. the unused roles. But like, what if you verified their role before they said they swapped you? I mean, that's like the worst case scenario. So oh, right. even good players sometimes need to be a little bit cagey or even lie about what they did just in case they were swapped. You know, until they can verify that that didn't happen, and then they can be more right. forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a huge advantage over thinking back to games of mafia it's like you have you they're a little more one-dimensional where you know you're good or you know you're bad right yeah yeah like that twist it's i I think it's very good to have reasons for good players to lie yes but that being said it can go a bit too far sometimes because one issue i sometimes have in games of one night ultimate werewolf is people are not forthcoming at the start of the game, um, especially with new players, like you'll share your information and they just won't say anything. Oh, okay. Um, which is kind of annoying, even though strategically it might be a good idea. <laughs> since, mm-hmm. you know, again, right. if you share too much and someone swapped you, you could lose because of that. Right. Mm-hmm. But it does, uh, it does stall the game a bit. Yeah. Well, and there is that time sensitivity too. If you have that clock ticking down... And the player, the new player, isn't going to be as used to that, so they're not going to be pushing for that information from others either. Yeah. And so I think once you get that cadence down, it gets a lot easier to kind of get into character, even if you're lying about your character. Yeah. It's just a lot easier that way. Yeah. And I think um, another design challenge with these kind of games is the more interesting abilities that you put into it, the more afraid people are to say anything, too. Oh, yeah. Because, and I'm sure we'll get into this little spoiler for next episode with Blood <laughs> on the Clock Tower, but that's like the extreme expanded version of Werewolf. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. And I think having tried designing one of these games, I really quickly learned that I had way too complicated of roles and players didn't say anything. Oh. Almost the entire game. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Because they're because they're worried about getting caught out in right. a lie because there's so much information. Well, that or and 
just not understanding the rules and you can't ask once the game starts. Right. That's oh, the other yeah. big problem. Right, especially without a moderator. How does the seer work? Oh. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to ask, like, how does every role work again? Well, and, and that is kind of great, at least with One Night, is that in the app they do go over everyone's roles and it's said out loud, where in Blood on the Clock Tower, uh, the storyteller goes around and tells people, like, okay, do your thing, and they communicate in silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're sitting there waiting to, like, find out what happened that night, but you don't hear anything else. And so, yeah. like, having that app companion as a starting social deduction player, super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can sort of imagine that maybe something's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. At the moment. Um, yeah, I guess one, one aspect of One Night Ultimate Werewolf um, that I sometimes find a little bit awkward uh, is voting. Yeah. Uh, specifically because in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, uh, you are required to vote. You can't abstain. Um, and for the most part, this is fine. But there are a couple scenarios where it's a bit awkward. Um, one of these being... If there are no werewolves, which is possible because um, right. in each game there are three unused roles in the center, uh, if there are no werewolves, then the town only wins if no one dies, which means you have to engineer pointing in a circle, um, which I guess isn't too bad uh, if you can talk people into doing that. The, the other situation where the no abstentions rule is a little bit awkward is with the tanner specifically. Oh, sure. Because the tanner has no stake in the vote unless they are executed they really don't want to vote they don't really care how they vote and and especially if the tanner knows they're not going to win because they haven't convinced people to kill them right then in a way they are sort of king making um, without a stake in it uh which i find a bit awkward i kind of wish there was a way to abstain Hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. yeah does um what, what do you guys have for takeaways for this one uh, for me, I'm definitely going to lean into that uh, having these very colorful roles that can do very unique things and having those kind of come to the forefront of a game like this. Uh, really, and obviously Blood on the Clock Tower will get more into these unique roles, but for games like this, having very like simple, clear rules, at least to start, especially... And being able to introduce people to your world and to what this game is about. I think they did a really good job with that. Especially with the app companion, like, it does a really good job. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for my part, I think when you're designing a social deduction game, it's good to have reasons for players on the good team, or I should say maybe on the majority team, um, the team that doesn't know who their teammates are. Oh, sure. Um it's good to have some reasons for them, or at least for some of them, to lie or to be misleading, um, because people like lying, and you know it's it, it's no fun if only the evil team gets to do it. Um, so or just they ha- don't like lying, and it raises their adrenaline, you right. know, which some people really want that. Right. Yeah. But it's good because it means uh, another reason is because it means that lying is not automatically equal to evil. Right. Which means people need to think a little bit more about people's motivations beyond just are they telling the truth or not. Yeah. I I think that's a great point because I find it super stressful to be on the lying team, <laughs> and it's nice if there's other, um, you know, a way to cast dispersions on other people. Like if they, if anyone else is seeming like they're lying too, that helps. 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to maybe even amend mine a little bit. One thing that I think is extremely important for these games is to have minions. Having these characters that are on the evil team but can still die and the evil team wins. And yeah. they have that way, that ability to distract people away from the, the evil team. Definitely. And so, I, so there's less pressure on them. There's less pressure on the evil one. Yeah. And they can have kind of a team and they can kind of be conniving together. Because that's a lot more fun than just trying to be on your own. It's very mm. rewarding when you win on your own, but having a team is much more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then even the good team, if they can spot like, well, I know the two of you are evil, I guaranteed, but I still don't know which one to vote for. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I will say being a minion uh, in uh, the, so the the minion role, of course, on the wolf team, but not a wolf. Right. So it's fine if they die. Being the minion in One Night Ultimate Werewolf is a ton of fun. Like. You, you yeah. feel like, oh, it doesn't matter if I die. And I f- you also feel this great bond with your with wolves. With your wolves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, okay, these are my buddies. I need to protect them. Yeah. Um, I'm there for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Which It's so funny. It's such a, like a support and helpful and like you'd normally think like a cleric or, you know, something like that in a in another yeah. game. Mm-hmm. But like it's an evil minion. No, the, I, I think the minion is probably the most fun role. Oh, yeah. I yeah. like the tanner still myself, but... I guess my second my second vote would be the hunter, just because you can do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But the, the the hunter role, if they die, whoever they uh, voted for also dies. So they don't care about convincing people. They just need to figure out who the wolves are. It, and maybe even convince people to kill them so they have a choice. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that's the perfect example of a, a good role that doesn't mind lying, which right. is why it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, something that... It wasn't immediately in my mind, but social deduction is one of the few genres that's almost always a team-based game, True. too. And I feel like there should be more team games out there. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many non-team games. It's either cooperative, competitive, and everyone's working on their own. But, yeah. Being on a team is fun. It yeah. is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially in social things like this. Oh, Yeah. But Especially and if it can change to game to game, and you have those old prejudices still hanging out. It's like, yeah. wait, I didn't trust you before, but maybe this time I can? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like you question yourself automatically, like, ooh, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, it's the great. Meta oh, of yeah. the game. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say my takeaway after playing it this time was the... I had forgotten how it worked, and <laughs> the, just the fact that it is literally one night, Right. And then we vote, and it's done. Yep. <laughs> and I actually love that because it solves one a lot of things, but one of them being, like, if you screw up your roll, it's not so bad because it was timed. It was a five-minute short game. Or if uh, you forgot to look at your roll like I did when the pizza arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Ooh, yeah. that was saved by the bell on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Playing blind. Yeah. yeah. The, I don't know what I am. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter. I'm not a wolf. That, that's great. That, that's a, that's definitely a, a good point. Um, having a game that short means balance and luck don't really matter at all. Right, right. Yeah. Which is why you can really expand it and get some real weird abilities in there. Like mm-hmm. One Night Ultimate Alien, uh, an expansion for this, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's and pure chaos. Focuses on the app. You actually need the app for that one because you mm. have like temporal rifts happening. Oh, and my goodness. Some of the uh, abilities of the characters change every time. Yeah. Like just like card numbers or direction or yeah. That, that one's a bit much chaos for me. It's but. a lot of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, you can also with such short games, yeah, you can 
the good players can just do absolutely crazy, insane strategies mm -hmm. um, where they're just guessing about stuff because it, it doesn't matter. It's like five minutes. Right? Yeah. Versus like a game of Battlestar Galactica. I don't know if you've played that. <laughs> um, I do like that yeah. game, but it's uh, it's quite long. Yeah. And if you're if you kind of screw up as a Cylon character, like it might be kind of hard to come back from. Yeah, I feel like if you're having a longer game where there is a hidden role like that, then I, it's hard to have a long game. I yeah, I, I I don't know about these these hybrid uh games that have hidden roles but they're really long. Um like cuz once once the trader is revealed, I mean there should be well, a way for once the trader is like figured out, then it like then, so multiplies. Yeah, yeah, and I think what works well in those games like Battlestar and uh the other one I really like is Dark Moon. Oh yeah, which is sort yeah. of it was originally called like Battlestar Galactica Light. But, right. Um, when at any time the trader can reveal themselves, and then they get a special power that they can yeah. use every time turn. So I think that does help fix it. But yeah. Well, yeah. Any other last thoughts about One Night Ultimate Werewolf? Uh, yeah, just going to reiterate, I love the, the time span of this game. It's so quick, it's over, play again. For me, I can play a few times in a row pretty cleanly without, like, getting bored. After that, it starts to tank a little bit for me, and I need to play a new game. But, like, it's great to start off game night with this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the idea of switching your victory condition without knowing it is pretty cool, and I think it works well in one night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk about more social deduction games coming up in our next few episodes. Blood on the Clock Tower. Yes. Coming next. Hey, thanks for listening to The Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm -hmm.